The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the weekend, my friend. We made it. And uh, is it a bull market? It might be. Uh, and I, I got something profound to, to share with you. I shared it with my friends in the office, um, and they were actually quite moved by what I'm about to say. And that is, after standing on a high hill, looking to the heavens, and doing some deep thinking, I concluded that bull markets are more fun than bear markets. Rich Davis, former analyst at Canaccord, now with Unity Software, uh, such an amazing partner that Jack and I lost uh, uh, in our business, but uh, we continue to remain very, very good friends with this smart man. Uh, Richard, uh, Happy New Year and welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you. You too. Well, thank you. Uh, you sent Jack a few, uh, few days ago a little link. You said, hey, check this out. This is very, very cool. Jack sent you something and then you responded yeah. with, I guess, a link for chat GPT. Um, yeah. Zach, my uh, left-hand man, I shall say, because Jack's my right-hand man, so Zach, our, our left-hand man, uh, over the weekend uh, was trying to get into chat GPT during the day, and he couldn't get through. It was so busy. The servers yeah, were jammed. Exactly. Late at night, he got in, and he, he, he asked chat GPT can, to just write something about Wolfgang, or write a poem about Wolfgang Klein. And yeah. lo and behold, presto, out came Two versions, <laughs> a hip-hop version and a regular Frost-type version of poetry about me that was uncannily accurate. Like It picked up stuff on my charitable giving. It picked up stuff on my media work and about my transparency and about successfully managing people's money. Uh, I give it an A+. Plus. Wow. Uh, so, Richard, let's talk about that. Is this the new form of search? Uh, and Google obviously uh, misstepped, stock down 7% a day after Microsoft hailed its uh, chat GPT. Uh, Bard, which is Google's version, obviously not out of the gate successfully, but is it, this, is, this is here to stay. This is apparently the way of the future when it comes to search. Speak to that, my friend. Um, I think you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, artificial intelligence has been around for like 40 years. I'm actually, I still remember back in 2000, there was a company called Artificial Life. And it was like, a, it was a little kind of a version of a chat bot, but probably had like 10 answers. And after that, you would dump <laughs> it. But it was used, it was actually used by Disney. So it would say like, I want a ticket to the Magic Kingdom. And you'd say, here's the ticket. So it was almost uh, the very early stages of that. But what typically happens is... Uh, these things kind of go through a lot of excitement. They have a spurt, then they have kind of a crash or whatever. And uh, I think we're in that spurt period. So um, it's look, it's fast. It's uh, it's artificial. It's probably not quite intelligent, but we're getting close. Uh, Chat GPT was released to the public in November of last year. Uh, a quote stating that it can take the role of a chef and provide recipes. I'm, I'm a recreational chef, a chef wannabe, a yeah. chef in training. I am. I'm going to George Brown College every Saturday and having a lot of fun and learning a lot of cool stuff. Um, but I use Google and I pull up recipes all the time. So w what is going to make this recipe better than what I can 
print off of a, a, a Google search. Yeah, so what will happen is instead of uh, what's known as kind of a list of links, you know, so a yep. set of links and says click on this and click through, mm-hmm. in one in one thing you could say, oh, I want a beef you know, dinner when I have a bunch of carrots and it pops up, whatever, <laughs> beef burger oil or something. You, like you that. are a foodie, I can so, tell. I want some beef fucking <laughs> beef thing. <laughs> and and so whatever, it'll make it'll make the answers more just better, right? Better than they were before. Well, no, but if I may, yeah. what, what yeah. I do, yeah. um, Richard, when I actually uh, yeah. search for recipes, I, I actually will, will follow a number of links, read a number of recipes, yeah. and then put my spin on it. I have a sense Correct. maybe that's what this is going to do. It's going to sort of pick the best of the best, the most searched, the most liked, and probably incorporate more aspects of that recipe perhaps than other recipes. Am I on the right track? Exactly, exactly. And and look, what this does is it will commoditize commodity content. So that could be a press release. We, we actually have a, a, a friend of ours, his uh, daughter works for a nonprofit hospital, and she is part of the giving part of the, the hospital, and she has to write thank you notes. She uses G, uh, Chat GPT to kind of write the thank you notes. And, so, yeah, wait, so what's your phrase? It's going to commoditize what? A commoditize commodity content. So in other words, that could be press, oh, I get it, like press that. releases. Yeah. So, so, what, so when it does commoditize uh, yeah. that, Richard, yeah. when it commoditizes that, so uh, from what I understand, you're looking at university-level uh, type of content that it is creating. Um, yep. what are the issues with plagiarism, uh, and how are yep. people going to obviously detect it? And I'm sure there's people trying to get around uh, those detections as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's the classic cat and mouse between the students and the professors. <laughs> um, and so, uh, in any case, they actually, there's, uh, I read the other day, there's actually a company that's now come up with a, uh, whatever algorithm or test to see if it, if the product was put out in, uh, you know, chat GPT. Now, but candidly, what's going to happen is if, if, you know, you and I, all three of us query chat GPT in this case, or maybe GPT four, when that eventually becomes available, hmm. um, the answers may end up being the same. So they'll be like, wait a minute, you know, right. answers the same as Richard's are pretty close to it. That doesn't sound right. I mean, so I think it may be easier than you'd think. Um, so I think that'll be uh, the the, the other thing with there. search too is obviously you know yeah. most recently with cookies and you see that now and, and privacy issues uh, it's been very detrimental to, to I'm gonna say Google to Facebook um, yeah. how how do privacy issues uh, play into this you know Chat GBT and and Microsoft and I'm gonna say OpenAI yeah I mean I think uh, you know at this point. The, the 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 data that these that these algorithms are collecting is everything that's publicly available on the internet. So as you know, you can find almost anything there. So whatever's you know the cat's out of the bag in that respect, I guess. So I mean, I don't know. Candidly, privacy went out the window, you know, twenty years ago, unfortunately. Right, and for now, it's a, it's a free service uh, through yep. Microsoft, and the the idea is to monetize it through paid subscription, better service, better quality content. Is that correct? Well, that and also the, the way that a lot of people are looking at it is if you look at, for example, Microsoft, um, what they're going to do is embed it, you know, left, right, and center, up and down through their office stack. And uh, and I guess perhaps even Azure and things like that. But so what will happen is, is maybe when you're writing something in Word, it'll, 
you've seen this before. Oh, they'll give you some suggestions. Oh. Like that, suggestions and things like that. So the thesis there that I've seen is, you know, the people, I mean, it took Microsoft about I don't know, nine or 10 years to get to about 40 billion in cloud revenues. And a lot of people that we've talked to think it'll take half as much a time of time to get another 40 billion, so, you know, because smart. they'll be able to sell a lot more office and all sorts of other stuff. It's Hi-Fi Radio, Saturday night. Richard Davis, former analyst at Canaccord, and he's now with Unity Software. Uh, Richard, please, uh, just to make sure that we um, uh, highlight you properly, what is your current role at Unity Software? And by the way, I do want to talk about that because your stock had a pop. You had a nice release of yep. something. I want you to talk about that. Talk yep. about the company as well, please. Sure. So I, I run investor relations and, uh, and do strategy, so I'm kind of the you know, to use a phrase, utility infielder to kind of help a lot of people <laughs> within our firm. And, you know, sometimes I'll play shortstop, sometimes I'll play left field. Um, but, yeah, just kind of help out inside the company and whatever, uh, provide perspective and experience and stuff like that to help as we're kind of trying to guide the guide the ship. And we, and what got the stock to pop uh, this week? Well, today was uh, a company adjacent to our space called AppLove, and which had a, and had a quarter that was uh, – not as bad as people think and you know are expected. And so you know you know how these stocks work. I always tell people three things drive stock prices: you know, beat or miss, acceleration, deceleration, and forecast believability. And in the case of of AppLove, and they they basically beat. They may have had acceleration, and people believe their forecast. And so it was kind of a follow-on. They looked at us, and since we're similar, they said, "Well, if AppLove did well, maybe Unity will do well." We report on the twenty-second, so we'll unwrap that package when we get there. Hey, Richard, again, I know you're very focused on Unity Software. It's a very exciting company, and uh, if you haven't had a chance to take a look at what this company does, take a peek at its site. Uh, amazing, amazing animation and uh, capabilities uh, beyond anyone's belief. I'm assuming there's some artificial intelligence as well in some of the work that you guys are uh, p- putting out, correct? Correct. So we, we work with specifically on the artist side um, right now. And what you'll do is it, we have things called like speed tree and Ziva, but speed tree is like you're drawing, you're an art, you're like whatever, building a game. And it says, it sees you, Oh, you're drawing a forest. Well, would you like to change it to Oak trees or pine trees? You go boop and you hit a button and it oh, does it for you. Goodness, so wow. it kind of, I guess the way to describe it is it just makes you faster. It doesn't do this. I mean, it doesn't do the whole thing for you, but it gets you closer. And so we're doing that. Um, look, eventually, and this re- is relevant to us as well as a lot of other software companies, GPT-4, which is kind of the big brother of chat GPT, um, actually will allow you to kind of do programming much more efficiently. So you could say, you know, write a routine to whatever, open up a bank account or something. I don't know, something like that. No. And um, And so it'll speed up the speed at which developers can write code and what that actually could do longer term for these software companies is reduce their cost of, of R&D because everyone will be two or three times more efficient. So it's going to be an interesting next you know, five or ten years. It's an exciting space, Richard, and I can speak to you at length, and we are going to continue the conversation. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break, pay some bills around here at Hi-Fi Radio 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein. Uh, star guest Richard Davis. He is with Unity Software, one of the smartest Gentlemen, Jack and I are privileged to hang out with. Uh, we'd like to share that privilege with you. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Don't tell my heart, my achy-breaking heart. I just don't think you'd understand. And if you tell my heart, my achy-breaking heart, he might blow up and kill this man. I don't know why I would have had to do it. Richard Davis is joining us. He's with Unity Software, a fine, fine American friend of ours. Um, State of the Union address, Mr. Joe, President Joe Biden. Uh, he has beautiful teeth. And, uh, well, he went on for a long time. No naps, good for him. Uh, he spoke about, and I know I can ask Richard Davis any questions. I think he could have used a nap there, Wolf. I think he could have used a nap. I was napping when he was <laughs> But Richard Davis, you know what I love about you? I can ask anything, and you're always going to give me a really intelligent answer. Uh, did Joe Biden, or did I hear correctly, President Joe Biden was speaking about automotive manufacturing, onshoring semiconductors. He said a typical car today has 3,000 semiconductors. My jaw dropped. Uh, Richard, do you think that number is right? 3,000 semis in a car? I think it is, but there's a lot of low-end chips. It's not the, the semiconductors yeah, that you 3, think of. 3,000, really? But that's a lot. 3,000 semiconductors, wow. Uh, anyways, achy, breaky, hard. Uh, Richard, here's what's taking place. Again, you know, you're focused on your business, and I, I know you still have one eye, at least, on the market. But every strategist, every economist, forecaster, predictor in the business uh, came into January of this year with a very negative tone. Recession, inverted yield curve, money drying up, real estate crises, uh, employment is going to get broken, uh, and it went on and on. The charts, the stock market was speaking a different language. Uh, look, at your, look at your own stock, Unity, the move it's had. Yep. Uh, the NASDAQ up, what, 15, 16, 17% year to date. Friends, we're, we're 40, what, 40 some odd days into the year. Uh, the, the, the market is all-knowing. Uh, the collective unconscious of the world, of, of the people, uh, ends up in something called price. And the degree of that price, something called volume. You can even put volume out of the equation. Just talk about and look at price. And it's telling me something. And a stock that you uh, worked with uh, I, Jack and I on years ago was Adobe. Um, what do you think of it? No risk. Uh, we're just going to throw this out for fun. Uh, technically, sure. Adobe looks pretty interesting to me right here, right now. Uh, Richard, do you have an opinion on the stock? Yeah. So, you know, your point is exactly right. I used to always tell people, market does the thing that'll make the most people wrong. It and, does. You know, whenever it does. It does. When everyone leans on one side of the canoe, guess what? It flips over. So, you know, it, it's hard. And, and then the other, Very. Rule, uh, the other rule of thing I would tell people is usually the best buys were the hardest. Sell. Always. Always. Yeah. And because, you, you know, you're just like, because if it's easy to buy something, you're late. You're, you know, if you're doing it with the cool kids, you're like, eh, probably not going to make it. So, it's hard. I, I so pull that move. Question. I pull that move, my friend. I'll do yeah. it again. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. The hard trade it's, is the right trade. The easy trade is the wrong trade. Exactly. Uh, it's so, so. I'll tell you yep. the beauty of our, of, of our practice, too, by the way. You yep. know both Jack yep. and I well. We are very yep. different. Uh, we are yin. Yep. We are yang. And as such, I think we end up with, with a really good outcome because uh, we get to push back and forth a little bit on different ideas. And you can just sense it. You know, you can see, you know, who's, who's taking which position as we jostle for, yeah, should we put the trade on or not? Um, and so yin and yang is good. Forces both way are important. 
important, but it's that difficult trade. I do agree that tends to yep. be the right trade. So, Richard, the S&P 500 this week uh, got up to about 19% from the bear market low. 20 would yep. uh, state new bull market, according to those who come up with the uh, parameters, what a bull and a bear are. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter because if we get through 20%, the media will jump on it. It's a new bull market. And they'll bring on the exactly. bulls and they'll talk it up. Uh, so I'm going to ask you just for fun, because <laughs> yeah. it's about 4,200 that the S&P has to yeah. get to, and it seems to be a, a key point of resistance. Uh, again, just, just guess. Uh, here we are, February, yeah. market's off to a good start. The Ides of March are around the corner. Uh, do you think we're going to push through it? Uh, if, if so, when? If not, you know, uh, what about the flip side? How far down do we go? You know, you know phone camp or the strategist, a new lows are in front of us? Yeah, I mean, I think, no, I, I, so what I think will happen, and this is what I've been telling our team internally is like, look, you probably get a pullback, but what you'll get is a pullback to a higher low and that'll be a great, you know, technical like indicator, like right? Yeah. So, so we'll it, make a lower low, be a higher low, pull back to higher low. That, that's constructive. Cause we have yeah, taken out a few I of the think, highs. We took out a few of the highs. So we mentioned right. make, do one of those. Now we got to hold one of yeah. the previous, hold the previous low and slightly above exactly. it. And, and you have seen that with the major indices too. So the S&P has exactly. made a higher low, which is a, a constructive yep. thing from the bullish point of view. Yep. I'll tell you what I'm yep. seeing as well, Rich, and we're trying to play, and this again, where Jack and I are jostling a little bit, massive rotation going on. Uh, again, I don't oh, know if you're yeah. watching it as closely as, you know, uh, you would if you're spending 60 hours a week at this, but you're seeing the, you know, the, 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 the stalwarts, the stuff that did so well last year that held in, that was a, 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 a attracting funds to, as a defensive play, it, it, that stuff's giving back. Uh, I go yep. back to Costco. I go to TGX. I go to Dollarama. Uh, I go to the insurance stocks uh, here in Canada. Uh, they, they seem to want to roll over. Uh, but I, I mentioned Adobe looks better. Autodesk looks better. Yep. Your stocks had a nice yep. pock. Snowflake, Zscaler, uh, Zylo. Yep. Uh, even Facebook, uh, Microsoft, mm-hmm. the biggies. So, so last year was the safety trade. So the, the safer the stock, yep. people were hiding it. You, don't, you look at consumer staples. Uh, Hershey's is a good example. Those stocks are great stocks, great companies, amazing products, but valuation was very dear. Uh, we saw the same thing that happened to technology before it rolled over. A lot of these, a lot of those names that you mentioned, Wolfgang, were trading at 20, 30 times revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, been cut well in half since then. Yep. Uh, last time we were on the call, uh, or we had Richard on our radio show, uh, we, we were in the midst of the bear market for technology. I'm going to say it was oh, yeah, late right. fall. Well, and we said, you know, how do you play this, Richard? What do you look for? And, you, you know, you, you focused on the semis being leadership, whether they are leading right now. But uh, you said, you know, focus on quality type names. I'm going to throw Microsoft out there as an example. Yeah. And then you talked about companies that got microwaved which I thought was hilarious. It was so funny. So so a little bit of barbell, microwave companies and quality. Uh, What do you make of the rally that we've had in terms of, you know, is it a... The type type of rally, right. What type of rally we had? um, Because mega bull markets markets typically start with a short covering rally. Is that what we've witnessed? Then you see a bit of a pullback and then gets going. Or is it, you know, the Fed's going to cut rates valuations can you know get elevated from here and as long as companies can maintain their revenues grow their revenues at a, a good clip uh you don't have to worry about that valuation concern anymore yeah i mean i'm on the camp i'm not you know i do think you have some sort of pullback because someone will find an excuse for something something will happen and you use that as the, yep. the bear case but again i think it pulls back and then it pulls back not to the level that you want and, you know, because, you know, the other phrase is bull markets never let you in, right? Because you're like, dang, if I could just buy just a bit lower. Look, I remember in 08, I 
missed a company. It was it was Ultimate Software. I was following it, and I was like, oh, this is definitely going to go to 12. That's where we're going to buy it. And, of course, it bounced at 18, and I whiffed. So, uh, you know, so it's uh, it can happen, and I think that's what's happening on the buy side. Right now, everyone's like, all right, this has to come back. It has to retest the lows or break the lows. I'll buy then, and, you know, and it may not happen if, if the, uh, you know, again, unless the economy just completely trips up which is not expected, but if it does, I guess that's where you get hurt. You know, those lines are, have so much value to them, they, and I, so therefore I want to yeah. at least uh, state it, let alone overstate yeah. it, but uh, no different than yeah. don't fight the Fed. There's huge yeah. wisdom with that statement. What you just said is fascinating. Bull markets yeah. never let you in. I like that. Uh, yeah. And Jack, yeah. Jack and I see it firsthand. And that, that's, yeah. you know, Sandy McIntyre, uh, he's a strategist, uh, Richard, uh, retired now, but uh, he, he worked on Bay Street for well over 40 years. He's become a very, very good friend of Jack and I's, and he's, he's on our show very, very frequently. Um, and uh, he, he said, you know, part of his job, the, one of the most, the, the, some of the biggest value he could provide to clients was just keeping them in the game. And, and that, that speaks to because if they exit the game, and a new bull market begins, what you're saying happens to them. They don't get back in because the bull market doesn't let them in, and they end up missing exactly. the next bull move. We've seen that over and over again. So yep. do not exit. The question is, you want to protect your capital in those tougher periods of time. And that, again, is challenging to do. That was last year's trades. you got to parlay that type of stability into now more of an offensive stance. Jack, you're the athlete. Absolutely. You know, uh, as a hockey coach, that's where the game is won, right? As you transition from offense to defense, it's it's recognizing, or defense to offense, it's recognizing those points in the game that really make a difference. Jack, saw my, my eyes roll up and think for a moment there. <laughs> 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 but I, I will tell you, defense wins games too, so you do have to protect it in bear markets, which we did for our clients uh, and rotate. Yeah, no, and you taught me because my, my son Sebastian was a goalie, and you said uh, goalies win Stanley Cups. Absolutely. Yeah, defense and goaltending wins. wins yeah, that's, that's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, yep. yeah. And, and, but you know, let's go down to Warren Buffett. What does Buffett say? Don't lose your money. And rule number two, re-read re, re, rule number one. Right, and Don't that, that really money. keeps you in the game. We've talked about it multiple times on this show. You've got to protect in, in bear markets, down markets, and that's what the market, or that's what people were doing last year, uh, whether in Staples or uh, the insurance stocks that you mentioned. But now the game has rotated, has changed, and we are shifting our portfolios in a more aggressive direction. Um, Richard, overall, uh, again, being a tech guru, uh, what's exciting you most about tech? What, what really do you see like a, that has a large, large, massive uh, addressable market, otherwise known as TAM? Yeah, I mean, look, there's some really good companies that, that came out in the front end of the whatever the bubble that happened from, I don't know, 2020 to maybe 2019 to 2021 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Towards the end, you know how it works. Is uh, Towards the end, we used to always joke that the more IPOs that happen in a shorter period of time, you know, there's an R squared of one because the quality goes straight down. So those ones that came out at the end were just gruesome. Um, but the ones that came out early, so think of, uh, you know, now it's super expensive, but like a Snowflake is a really well-run company. Just bought, uh, Richard, we just bought some. Please yeah. talk to me about oh, it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we just I know bought it this week. people that run the company and, and one of their board members is, is our, our board member. And, you know, he's like, look, this is a legit company. He goes, you know, you know, they, they should be able to grow into a pretty big business and they have a great technology that kind of augments and doesn't really compete directly with Amazon and Google and those guys, but it does solve a big problem, which is basically 
effectively data efficiency and collecting data and having a good visibility over data, which as a practitioner now inside a company, you, you would be shocked how hard it is to find data. You're like, well, what about, what about this customer? You're like, oh, we can't find that information. It's somewhere over in this other pu- bucket, you know, and it's just a real pain in the neck. So to the extent that you can get data quickly, you can make decisions more quickly. So look, that's a legitimate company. I mean, the big cap company, like, I mean, listen, Microsoft, we just bought it. They, just bought yeah, it two forty. Rented some in December yeah, and added added to this week. Go ahead. I think they're going to do well, right? I mean, that's more steady Eddie, but I think it's we like. Do we Jack like steady yeah. Eddie? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so the, the point the point being there is you talk about IPOs. You know, uh, the end of the cycle, you get the the poorer quality type IPOs. Yep. We just talked about where we're at in this cycle. So um, I would say short covering rally. There's still not a lot of deal flow. Yep. Not a lot no, of IPOs. There's no IPOs. So the there's fact is, the no fact IPOs. is the first ones that come to the market. I don't know if it's going to be in the next yeah. three, four, five, of six highest months. quality. They will be the, the yeah Correct. the highest That's quality comes to the point. table first. That's this yep. is the type of stuff that we learn on Hi Fi Radio. Open yep. dialogue. Log, unplugged, pure. That's what the show's all about. Uh, Richard Davis, love you a lot. Uh, please come to town. We'll buy you lunch. I will do so. Um, I would love to do it. We have a great time. Uh, but between now and then, we'll get you back on the show. Uh, keep up Appreciate all your great work. Uh, just a treat and a half to spend some time with you this Saturday night. Well, uh, we're gonna take a, Richard, we're going to take a quick break. Get back to Hi-Fi Radio with Austin Muller, one of our analysts at Canaccord covering defense. want to find out what happened to that balloon that the Americans shot down. You're going to find out right here. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. To the show about money. That's what I was waiting for. Call my post. Yes. Austin Muller, analyst. Uh, Jack said you should work for the Pentagon. Uh, you're such a... You're, you're, you got a baby face. You look so young, Austin. Uh, boy, oh boy, look at you. Um, <laughs> honestly, as Jack said, you, you look very... Men in black meets a, a, an analyst at the Pentagon. Um Perfect. That's perfect for the space that you cover. That way, with the top secret information that uh, do you actually receive top secret information in some of these companies that you're uh, uh, interviewing? Uh, I do not get any top secret information, and I do not have a clearance. Oh, drag. But, uh, no, no clearance. Know, oh, say clearance. You need clearance. It's not top secret. What do you mean? Uh, I mean, you know, like the the Pentagon publishes their budget every year, uh, and it, it goes into quite a bit of detail the classified level. <laughs> wow. So, okay, here's what we're going to do this weekend, Jack. We're going to go into chat GPT and we're going to find out what's on the Pentagon. What's going on at the Pentagon? Yeah. Well, yeah, write me a point about what, the Pentagon. What, what, I say, why don't we start with their budget? How big is their budget? Uh, so, last year, the defense budget was about $817 billion. Wow. Jack, how big was the Canadian defense budget? Smaller. <laughs> no, I think, honestly, I, th- I think 817 is probably bigger than the next uh, the 10 biggest countries following the u.s i'm just guessing but i'm gonna i'm gonna make that educated guess 
That's unbelievable. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I'd have to go back and look, but it's at least bigger than the next top five or six. Well, I'm going to tell you how big. I'm going to put it into some context. Um, for those in the advertising business, digital advertising business, Microsoft is now going to tap more and more revenue streams around its offerings through advertising because the digital advertising landscape in America is over $500 billion in size. So all the digital advertising pales in comparison to the amount of defense spending that takes place uh, in America. But you are the police of the world, uh, and for that, well, uh, kudos. And certainly, you're, you're, I would say you're, for, for eight hundred seventeen billion, you get to shoot down spy balloons. So maybe you can be. Yeah, yeah. What's with that, Austin? Talk about that. The, the balloon that the Americans what, what, shot down. I say, what were they up to with that? Uh, the Chinese spy balloon, and then uh, why did it take so long to get shot down, and how did they do it? What was it like just recreational uh, balloon flying? Hmm? I don't know. Sure. So. Let's find out. Uh, the the Chinese spy balloon, uh, from what we know, it did have some kind of intelligence gathering payload attached to the bottom of it that probably included some pretty high end optical equipment. Uh, and if you look at where it passed over the United States, um, some of the particular areas of interest it passed over Montana, which is of course where all the Minuteman three nuclear missile silos are based. Uh, and it also passed over uh, Whiteman Air Force Base, which is, I believe, where the, the B-2 bombers are stored. Uh, so I doubt that it's any accident that it passed over those specific locations as it traveled across the United States. But apparently they did start, uh, they did detect and start tracking the surveillance balloon uh, as it passed over Alaska. So, I mean, they, they were tracking it for pretty much most of the time that it, it it had entered and was passing over the continental U.S. Uh, before they ultimately shot it down with an F-22 Raptor uh, over over South Carolina. Uh, so as as far as how they they shot it down, they they had an F-22 Raptor go up to. I guess they, they, they couldn't find a bigger gun. Was that big enough? Did that do the trick? Enough, <laughs> tor- was, enough, enough muscle. Jack enough. was laughing when he said, Jack, why are you laughing, Jack? Talk to me. Well, I'm just, uh, the, the cost of an F-22 Raptor. How high was the balloon? Uh, it was at about an altitude of 60,000 feet. Oh, so, 60. Uh, oh, so, so a typical uh, com- uh, commercial uh, plane would, would have been 30,000 feet below it. They fly around 36,000, don't they? So it's at 60,000 so, feet. That's high. I was going to say, so they, yeah. they, they send up a balloon. I'm going to assume it has propulsion because it's being directed, as you, you discussed there, over various parts of the United States. Would it not be more intelligent for them to do something in space? Like the U.S. has their space force now. Does, does China have a space force? Um, so China does have uh, spy satellites and, and in-space capabilities, and they've become increasingly sophisticated. Uh, recently, they had launched a, a hypersonic vehicle which traveled into orbit, orbited the Earth, and then had another smaller vehicle that apparently detached from it, and then came back into the atmosphere, and, uh, you know, it, it hit within a target range of about 12 miles of where they wanted to, to hit. So it wasn't exactly perfect yet from a weapons perspective, but as some Pentagon officials put it, it's close enough. Uh, so... They, they do have in-space surveillance capability with their satellites, but there's a reason why, like, the U-2 Dragon Lady spy plane hasn't been retired, right? And that's because... The who? Sorry, the who? Good. Uh, the, the U-2 spy plane. Uh, uh, of course. So, uh, it, I mean, that's been operating for over 60 years, um, and there's, there's huh. a benefit to 
having your camera close to the reference point. The, high, the closer your camera is to whatever you're trying to take a picture of, the higher quality of the image is. So even if you're in a satellite in low Earth orbit, you know, 200 to 400 miles above the surface, your image quality is going to be lower than if you're, you know, say 60,000 feet above whatever the target is, which is why uh, surveillance drones or surveillance balloons or uh, spy planes still come into play uh, in the defense arena. Now, uh, as you as you said, the balloon was at 60,000 square feet, so it may have been a bit overkill to have the F-22 Raptor shoot it down, but it may also be that now we know that the F-22 Raptor has a, a service ceiling that goes into the 60,000-foot range, and maybe they needed to uh, to have an aircraft that could get to 60,000 feet to shoot it down. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's pretty high. That is pretty, pretty yeah, high. It's, it's apparently the highest altitude air to air engagement that's ever been recorded. So wow, wow, uh, Austin Muller, he's an analyst with Canaccord, covers the uh, defense and aerospace sector. Uh, we're going to get granular after we take a quick break. Get back to I swear you work at the Pentagon. Uh, have you ever worked at the Pentagon? Uh, I've never worked at the Pentagon, but I did work for a Marine Corps general who planned the budget for the Pentagon. So close enough. Marine yeah, Corps spender. Ge- Marine Corps general. Wow. Jack used to be a captain in the Canadian Reserves. Uh, so okay, that's why you guys get along well. Uh, quick break. Get right back to Austin Mahler. It's going to be very, very uh, informative stuff. Uh, of course, we're trying to make money. Uh, we do own a company called Exchange Income Fund. We're going to talk about that as well with Austin because they got some surveillance division. That's very, very interesting. Stay tuned. More show right after this. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio. We're talking with Austin Moeller. He's one of our analysts, uh, aerospace and defense. Uh, we covered the uh, 60,000-foot balloon earlier. Uh, a company that we own, Austin, I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. It is covered by Canaccord, a Canadian company called Exchange Income Fund. A very interesting company. came out of the uh, income, well, it was an income trust and it still is a, a high-dividend-paying company. And we own a lot of it, Jack, and I full disclosure, and I'm not encouraging anyone to go out and buy the stock. But um, they do a lot of different things. They have a, a, a aerovac uh, division, uh, the, the, or medevac division, where they will fly uh, people to remote parts of Canada uh, in the event of uh, medical treatment. Uh, they have a construction business that manufactures modular windows. Uh, and they have a defense division that does basically monitoring. And they basically fly over submarines to ships to tracking drugs uh surveillance 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 big brother is watching a lot more austin i think than the average person realizes Uh, true or false uh i mean that's certainly true especially just given uh unmanned what's going on in the unmanned systems and space sectors i can't comment specifically on the on the company you mentioned but i do cover a number of space companies uh in, including Spire and Terran Orbital, 
Uh, and it's, it's apparent uh, that the number of satellites being launched into orbit for a communications application or uh, reconnaissance applications is continuing to increase. Uh, the latest data out is that in 2022, there were more than 2,000 uh, satellites that were launched into orbit. Launched, launched, right? Uh, yeah, launched into space. And how, how, how many are in uh, orbit currently operating, do you think, Austin? Uh, the currently operating can be a difficult number to get to, but there's more than 60,000 satellites that are in space. Uh, not all of them are active. Many of them are defunct, but, uh, you know, a pretty good portion of that are, are still active. Just for fun, because uh, the, the sister station, uh, of course, is Q107. These are always back in the 70s and 80s. Talk about the Annex D satellite. Do you know that? Do you know that uh, ball of <laughs> satellite in the sky? And is this, I, I think they actually retired it. Are you, are you aware? Uh, I'm not. No. I'm not familiar with the Annex D, uh, but as I said, there's sixty thousand other satellites. So. <laughs> Come on, Austin. What are you doing? Um, uh, let's talk about Ukraine. Uh, Just I would say on the on the subject of satellites. So we'll talk about uh, SpaceX, Starlink, and how they benefited and helped out the Ukrainians when their communications were cut down. Sure. So, I mean, uh, SpaceX, they've, they're in the process of deploying their Starlink constellation into low Earth orbit. They've, they've launched, uh, I believe, more than 4,000 of the, of the planned satellites at this point. Uh, and so that's been extremely helpful to Ukraine, just being able to provide uh, broadband connectivity in, in remote parts of the country where they're, where they're fighting. Uh, you know, a lot of the cell towers have been taken down. Uh, now, SpaceX has had problems with uh, Russian electronic warfare systems on the ground actually jamming the satellites as they come over, and they've been working on, on workarounds to try and get around the, the Krushuka 4 jamming systems that have been disrupting the satellites. <laughs> you should have seen look on Jack's face when you said that one. <laughs> it is a Russian jamming system, so it should have a name like that. Yeah, what was the name, what was the yeah, name again? It was Russian. a good name. Good. What was the name again? Uh, the, the Krushuka 4. The Kroshuka. The Kroshuka 4, yeah. But so, so Starlink and SpaceX, obviously a very costly system. Uh, who's footing the bill there? Because I know Elon Musk wasn't very happy about it at the beginning. And I would also say maybe this is a bit of a lost leader and a, a, a way for... No, but they can look at other systems, you know, the U.S. well, you know, using the same technology where you don't have proper communication. Right. So, I mean, uh, so are you asking who's footing the bill for... for yeah, for, first who's uh, footing the bill, and then also is this uh, technology, I would assume, that other countries are going to potentially pay for down the road? Sure. So, I mean, uh, right now it sounds like SpaceX and the DOD have both agreed to, to foot the bill for specifically providing Ukraine with encrypted comms uh, using the Starlink constellation, but... Uh, the, the DOD has its own communication satellites. Uh, there's, there's plenty of other companies out there like, like OneWeb and, and Telesat that are looking to develop their own satellites uh, to provide high-level high broadband connectivity in, in low-Earth orbit. Uh, and, and so we should continue to, to see that trend over the next decade or so as, as uh the popularity around having lower Earth orbit satellites to provide connectivity with lower latencies than like a direct TV satellite that's sitting in a geo orbit and has like 600 milliseconds of latency. Uh, it's, it's definitely become a lot more attractive uh, now that they've started building the satellites in lower Earth orbit. You're just closer to the Earth, so 
the the latency times are, are much shorter and much closer to what you'd get from cable coming to your house. Hey, Austin, just just anecdotally and or not, um, the the defense sector as a sector over time uh, does it mirror the S and P five hundred? Does it actually outperform the uh, outperform the S and P five hundred over time? Uh, I mean, I I would say that uh, like. Over over time, it, it probably grows slower than the S and P 500. I mean, historically, if you've looked, the the U.S. DoD top line uh, sort of grows in the in the mid to high single digits range. La- last year, it was a bit higher than that, but they were including uh, additional sort of low to mid single digit growth on top of the inflation rate, uh, which is how it got into that you know sort of 11 to 12 percent growth range. Uh, so I mean, it, overall, the total top line uh, grows slower than uh, like the S and P. But okay. if you look within the budget, uh, there are certain areas, specifically like space. the The space force budget uh, was was up like forty percent year over year, uh, and it's the fastest growing um, service branch of all the service branches. So it's growing faster than the Army or the Navy or the Air Force, et cetera. Uh, and they had a $26.4 billion budget that was passed in December, which is actually now larger than the budget for NASA. So which companies which companies contribute to then the Space Force? And how would you define the Space Force? You've got about a minute left here, Austin. Uh, sure. So important companies relevant to the Space Force right now that are currently building small satellites for them include Terran Orbital. Uh, there's also Spire, which is doing uh, radio geolocation, uh, which can be used to find those Russian electronic warfare systems I mentioned. Uh, and, uh, you know, Maxar provides uh, electro-optical imagery, so imaging the Earth. Uh, what was the second, la- the second part of your question? Uh, no, in terms of companies that are participating uh, in the, uh, uh, the the space aspect of defense, uh, you mentioned Spire and, and, and Tehran. So, uh Final question, your name that you mentioned to us on the show last time, the company with the switchblade technology, that was Aero for an environment. Environment, yeah. Yeah. Um, Any update on that firm? Sure. So, I mean, they got a $47 million order from Lithuania for for switchblade anti-tank drones in December, and they've been approved to sell to 20 uh, U.S. allies sales. So I think just as the Ukraine war continues to drag on, there will be continued uh, switchblade drones that will be sent to Ukraine through the various aid packages, as well as selling to the the 20 different U.S. allies that the switchblade has been approved for. So uh, the the company is continuing to to build momentum around the the part of the business. Yeah, symbol AVAV, trading on the NASDAQ. We're going to revisit that name. Uh, we're out of time, Austin. I can't thank you enough for your intellect. That was a lot of fun. Uh, very informative. And, uh, well, a little trip around. Uh, well, a little bit orbited. That's what we did, Jack. We orbited the Earth today. Uh, not at 60,000 feet, but, well, high enough. Uh, have a great weekend, Austin. Uh, friends at home, any questions for Jack or I? WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. Please drop us a note. We'll get back to you. Uh, we are always more than happy to share with you our thoughts. And, uh, hey, a free opinion is a free opinion. Why not take it? Uh, have a great weekend. Be safe. And we'll speak with you next Saturday right here on 640 in Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email wolfandjack at wolfgangkline.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week.
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.